0: Daily Gazette Company presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Sports Editor, Ken Shots. Thank you, Scott Geese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Got a lot of uh, great stuff for you. We're going to talk a little bit of horse racing in a moment. And uh, Adam Schinder, our uh, Daily Gazette uh, high school football analyst and expert, will be on to talk about the playoffs, as everybody else. You know, Class C got going last week, but the rest of the classes will get going this weekend with semifinal action. As I mentioned, horse racing. It's uh, Breeders' Cup weekend starting Friday. The 39th Breeders' Cup at Keelan this weekend uh, takes place. And our man, who covers horse racing for the Daily Gazette, Is going to make his third trip to the Breeders' Cup. He's going to get an opportunity to see the buzz horse of the racing world for the second time, the California based Flightline, who is undefeated and is a three to five morning line favorite for the six million dollar classic on Saturday. But there's a lot of other cool stuff going on, and Mike's here to talk about that. Uh, Mike, uh, welcome and ready to talk some horse racing.
1: I'm ready to talk some horse racing, too. Any questions you have, I'll be willing to answer them, except who am I betting in uh, every race? Yeah. Well, I put it this way. There's 14 races this weekend, five on Friday and nine on Saturday, and most of them are really, really good betting prospects, and the Classic might not necessarily be one of them just because of the presence of Flight 9. For, for any racing fan, it might be an opportunity to just watch like one of the best horses we've seen in a long time, to see what he does and i don't know how good of a betting race it's going to be unless you like somebody else but i don't like anybody else yeah. but <laughs> well, so it might be a fun one just to kind of sit back and see what he does yeah
0: well before we get into the question about the the 14 races as i mentioned in the open is you're going to be a third trip to the breeders cup what's it like covering that i mean i don't know yeah you know, two days of 14 races it's got to be just crazy uh, trying to catch all that stuff <laughs>
1: It kind of is, so you have to pick your spots. It depends on what your responsibility is coverage-wise. At this point, it's Tuesday. I'm still not sure what I'm going to do uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, but uh, you know, it'll be a couple stories a day. Um, I, it is a good opportunity now to mention that we're out putting, planning on putting out a preview wrap, so you want to get your Friday Gazette because there's going to be a ton of stuff in there, including picks. Uh, from our guys who did the uh, Saratoga meet this year, and, and the entries for all the races are going to be in there. Um, well worth your time to go out and get a copy of the Gazette and see, you know, the package that we're putting together from a preview standpoint. Um, I will say this is my third time going to the Breeders' Cup. Uh, the first two times were in Louisville at Churchill Downs, um, and it was a few years ago. Um, I think at the time I can't remember what I did exactly. I, you know, we, we're we're supported by the Associated Press, of course, so they can kind of do the nuts and bolts recap stuff. And it might be a, a case where I just did a column or something off of the classic, or mm-hmm. you know. So it, it, it'll be. I don't. Fortunately, I don't have to try to recap every race of the either day you know, like we try to do on Travers Day, where it's just like, you know, an assembly line, Oh, boy, here comes another great one. Uh, Who's writing that one? Um, uh, I am looking forward very much so to the opportunity to visit Keeneland for the first time in Lexington, Kentucky. This is like one of the, excuse me, racing meccas of the world, really, considering not only do they have two very high-profile meets in the spring and the fall, they don't race a lot there, but when they do, it's it's really important stuff. But also, you know, it's one of the breeding capitals of the world, and there's farms all over the place so you can, in the Kentucky Bluegrass, where the biggest names in the history of the sport have been bred out there. Um, so it, it's a horse racing town. It, yeah, the University of Kentucky happens to be there, too. And, in okay. fact, they they held <laughs> the um, the draw yesterday for all 14 races, and they brought in – uh, Wildcats basketball coach John Calipari to, to shake the uh, whatever they call those little dice that they put in the yeah. bottle and, and took the, the pill pool as they call it and he, he actually screwed up them one of them um, <laughs> but they had the, like the University of Kentucky marching band was there they did it at Rupp Arena which was a pretty cool touch um, but Friday and Saturday it's all going to be horse racing and I'm really looking forward to seeing Keeneland but also you know see a lot of these really good horses um I will say the Breeders' Cup bills itself as the championships that's part of the proper name of the um uh, of the event I I'm probably a little derelict in not using that word whenever I yeah. I just say Breeders' Cup because I think of the championships as the Eclipse Awards which is the year end you know divisional awards but you know there is a humongous correlation between what happens this weekend and who wins those Eclipse Awards so that yeah there's a real championship feel to the whole thing and it goes across all the divisions it's not like a you know one big race or anything like that they're all big yeah
0: well let's start with the uh, juvenile Phillies and juvenile uh, you know you're looking into that race uh, especially yeah. two of the top contenders spin away winner leave no trace and hopeful winner forte from closing weekend at the Saratoga meet
1: yeah um friday is called future stars friday for a reason they've kind of fiddled with Which races are on which day um, over the years, and I think they finally got it right a couple years ago when they decided to just hold the juvenile races and lump them together on Friday and call it future. You know, they did for a while there. The theme was, oh, well, let's put all the races restricted to females on Friday to give them a separate spotlight. And that was horrible because the distaff is the second biggest race on the weekend, and it should be should get the main spotlight on Saturday with the Classic, as it does now. Um, so all five races are restricted to two-year-olds, and therefore the word juvenile is in the name of all five of them. And, and you know, the other ones are, are just kind of like a dartboard big fields kind of thing where I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen, but I am interested in the juvenile fillies and the juvenile. And these obviously are the races traditionally that you're going to be trying to look for future Kentucky Derby horses for the following year or Kentucky Oaks, or maybe a Philly who's going to run in the Alabama at Saratoga. And this is a chance to see them when they're babies, when they're two-year-olds. Um, as far as the juvenile fillies, um, I. Leave no trace is a horse in there who's a long shot at twenty to one, and rightfully so. Um, she won the spinaway away on closing weekend at Saratoga, um, and she's in there. It's good to see a trainer like Phil Serpe have a have a nice horse in the Breeders' Cup because he's he's a veteran guy who's been a big supporter of the New York program for a long time. Um, but then you look at who she's running against and it's the usual suspects of all the big guns in the the powerhouse places. So it's cool to see Phil Serpy have a nice horse in there. Yeah. She's 20 to one and and rightfully so, because, you know, if you go down the line, the other big, the big ones are wonder wheel, chop, chop and raging sea, which were were the top three from the Alcibiades, which is held at Keeneland uh, five weeks ago. So those are all natural contenders, and then chocolate gelato, who won the fr- uh, the frisette, um, technically is the seven to two favorite for Todd Pletcher, um, but it's pretty close among those top four. Um, and then moving on to the juvenile itself, which is not, I don't think it's technically restricted to Colts, but obviously the Phillies have their race, and, and this one is where all the male horses go. Um, our old buddy Bob Baffert is in there with 44 to 5 favorite, undefeated Cave Rock, three for three, coming off two grade one wins at, at Del Mar. Um, and then the, but, you know, the other two that are interesting for New York people are Forte, trained by Todd Pletcher, who won the hopeful. Um, also on closing weekend at Saratoga and then blazing sevens for Chad Brown, um, who won the champagne at Belmont park, which is the, you know, that segment of races that come like a month after Saratoga is over. So, So he's got a legit shot in there too. Um, interesting thing about blazing sevens for Chad Brown is, uh, let's see, where's my note here? Yeah, there it is. He's a son of Good Magic who Chad Brown trained um, to the two-year-old championship, male championship in 2017 after Good Magic won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. So there's kind of a very strong connection there between the sire of Good Magic and, and uh, another very good two-year-old trained by Chad Brown, Blazing Seven. So those are the two that I'm kind of focusing on Friday for uh, the future Stars Day.
0: Well, we mentioned Saratoga, and of the 177 horses entered in the 14 Breeders' Cup races, 75 made at least one appearance at the Spa, including some of the biggest stars in the meet. How, you know, how important is that for Saratoga?
1: Well, um, I don't know if it's important for Saratoga. I think the converse might be true. Saratoga is important for the Breeders' Cup um, because it, it, Saratoga is a natural stepping stone to the Breeders' Cup. It, it's During those two months of the year, all of the you know, maybe not all of them but most of the best horses are going to gravitate there because of the purses and the graded stakes i think there's 17 grade 1s over the course of 2 months which is an intense concentration of high level um races being contested by high-caliber horses so i you know i i do this story pretty much every year and and uh, as a side note it is kind of a grind to, to go through all the past performances and tabula and write down on a legal pad okay this one did this at saratoga because as you can see i pulled 75 names out of there and uh so it is kind of like a time-consuming grind to to go through there but the point is if you're gonna wind up at the breeder's cup there's a pretty strong likelihood you're gonna wind up at saratoga first and probably need to to find out if if you have a good horse good enough to run in the breeder's cup which is is the case for a lot of these in here um you know plus naturally um you know the breeder's cup has a series of win and you in qualifying races that where they You know, you're designated as a win, you're in where you get like all your travel expense. You get an automatic entry in the race. You get your travel expenses picked up, things like that. I don't know if about the entry fee might be another thing they they put in there. Um, In Saratoga, it's like every weekend, there's at least one or two of those. Um, So it's natural for. You know, a lot of the Saratoga stars just show up in the Breeders' Cup. And I think it's, I don't think it's people looking at the Breeders' Cup and saying, wow, I guess Saratoga is pretty good. They already know that. I think it's more of a case where Saratoga is a feeder event for the for the Eclipse Awards for a variety of uh, reasons yeah.
0: well let's take a break we have more questions from Mike McGadden on the Breeders Cup now uh, in just a couple minutes here or actually maybe 30 seconds we'll see it depends on that situation you're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast
1: It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the New
2: York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
0: Hello, this is John D. Augustine, the publisher at the Daily Gazette. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. We're talking uh, Breeders' Cup World Championships with uh, Mike McGannum, our Daily Gazette horse racing expert. Uh, you mentioned Chad Brown. Of course, he has his usual strong hand in the uh, for the Breeders' Cup. But one of his best horses, Jack Christopher, won't be running. Uh, Brown chose not to enter Jack Christopher in the sprint on Monday because he expected the horse to be scratched by the uh, Breeders' Cup vets anyway. So what, what's the deal with that? And then talk about some of the other other horses that he has.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, it, it's the second year in a row Jack Christopher has scratched kind of at the last minute um, of the Breeders' Cup. Last year it was because um, they, they they noticed something – that was off about one of his legs. And sure enough, they went and examined. He had like a shin problem and, and wound up missing some time. And But just the timing of it was horrible because they were looking forward to running him in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile uh, last year. And then had, I think he was the morning line favorite, as a matter of fact. And it was a really big disappoint, disappointment for Chad Brown and his owner. This year, he proactively scratched the horse because... Um, and I, I'm not sure if this relate is related to the new Horse Integrity Safety Act uh, protocols that are in place. I, I'm not sure if it's linked to that, but it kind of sounds like it. Um, he had, Chad Brown had a horse entered at, at Keeneland last Friday named Dolce Zell, a very good horse, entered in the stakes race. And the horse was scratched after a, visible, a visual exam by the attending vet. And Chad Brown mouthed off in print and very mad that they did this because the horse has a weird way of jogging and because of that that's what he was scratched for and he, he you know the, the one quote in the daily racing forum he said you know if if they want to take 50 I, i'll jog this horse 50 times and, and you know we'll prove that he's sound and there's nothing wrong with this horse so he's mad about that so now this week he knows Jack Christopher and he knows how he jogs and and he has kind of a weird way of he's a little quirk in how he jogs but once he gets up to speed he's he's normal and I, I kind of sounded like he was uh, Chad Brown was anticipating that they were going to scratch this horse for similar reasons for what happened to Dolce Zell last week and he didn't want it to turn into a circus in the middle of a week of all of a sudden this horse Jack Christopher who was supposed to run in the sp- Breeders Cup Sprint and be a very strong contender to win it um, suddenly is is being scratched because he, he walks funny or something um, so it is kind of funky circumstances and uh, I think a little more of that story is going to still waiting to come out but um, in the meantime the Breeders Cup Sprint loses a really good horse and Chad Brown for the second year in a row has to scratch or well scratches Jack Christopher. Um, Last year, the horse – actually, the terminology I just used is wrong. Last year, the horse was scratched. This year, he chose not to enter the horse to put him in a position to be scratched. So let's get that right. Um, It was different circumstances, but kind of, you know, there's some echo there. Um, Getting beyond that, though, uh, Chad Brown's going to be okay on Friday and Saturday, even without – even without Jack Christopher in the sprint, um, Friday alone, he's, he's got one in every race. And I already mentioned blazing sevens. He's six to one in the juvenile, uh, juvenile turf. He's got, I'm very busy. Uh, the other thing, all five of his horses that he has running in the five races on, um, Friday won a race at Saratoga. Most of them, four of them broke their maiden there, including blazing sevens. And I'm very busy. Um, uh, but one of them won a stakes race, and that was uh, Oxymore, who's eight to one in the juvenile turf sprint. He won the Skidmore at uh, Saratoga, so he's got he's got one in each of those races. They all won a race at Saratoga, and and one last side note on the on Friday's races. I'm very busy. Is the son of Cloud Computing who won the Preakness for uh, Chad Brown uh, five or six years ago? Um, on to Saturday, um, he cranks it up even more. Uh, he's got Goodnight Olive in the Philly and Mare Sprint. She's the 3-1 to favorite off an, off an allowance win and a ballerina win at Saratoga, grade one ballerina. Um, he's got Pipeline in the Dirt Mile, 8-1. He was third in the 4-go. Um, naturally, the Philly and Mare turf is the one that he, Chad Brown's going to have the, his strongest presence. He's won this thing five times already, and this year he brings Ruggier, Virginia Joy, and in Italian, who Saratoga fans will rem- remember as the the longest shot of three that Chad had in the grade one Diana at Saratoga, and she wound up winning the thing on the front end. so they're gonna try to do that again in the Philly merit turf. and then just quickly um, uh, in the distaff he's got search results um, and then in the the mile, which is the turf mile. Uh, he's got Regal Glory, who was kind of the leader of the Philly turf Division all year until she got beat in the Diana, and then she lost her next one. Uh, she was second in the Four Star Dave at Saratoga. And then he's got his interesting X-Factor wild card in that mile race, his domestic spending, 8-1. to one. We have not seen this horse since August of... 2021 for a variety of reasons. Uh, when he was second in a big race at Arlington Park, but he's back out of nowhere. Has not. It's pretty interesting. Somebody off such a long layoff all of a sudden in a grade one Breeders' Cup race. Um, And I was, based on things Chad said earlier in the week, I was kind of interested in taking a look at betting on this horse. The only problem is when the the entries were drawn on Monday, he drew the 14 hole in a 14-horse field. So (laughs) a, a mile on the turf might not be the greatest position to be. So, yeah, I mean, Chad Brown... You know, he, it would have been nice to see Jack Christopher win. I wrote a column back during Saratoga where I thought he was the best three year old male in the country, despite the fact that he didn't run it. He, not only did he not win any of the Triple Crown races, he didn't run in any of them, but he, you know, he crushed some grade ones at shorter distances. And I, at the time, none of the other knuckleheads was really doing enough to warrant, um, you know, the, the top position, and at least by my vote. Um, so I kind of like Jack Christopher a lot, and then, you know, he. Um, it, it would have been nice to see him in the sprint, but uh, I guess we're not going to see him. Chad Brown's going to be okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of Chad Brown and his legal issues with uh, in Saratoga County, what's the law yeah.
1: there? Yeah, just to update on that a little bit, I went to the courthouse uh, last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, because you scheduled for another appearance on this thing that stemmed from a domestic violence incident during the meet, Um, for which he wound up being arrested and and drew a a misdemeanor charge of obstruction of breathing. Um, Subsequently, there's been a bunch of uh, appearances that have been postponed. This one, they actually... We were able to pull off even though nothing happened, and he wasn't there either because I guess he petitioned the judge. I think he, he might even have already been in Lexington looking over his Breeders' Cup courses or something like that. I don't know. Um, but in the meantime, the judge said, Next time you got to be, here. he told his lawyer, Next time he's got to be here. Um, and next time for now is November 14th, which is the Monday after the, the full week after the Breeders' Cup weekend gets over with. Um, so we'll, we'll be back up there again to see if anything happens. Um, I'm not real familiar with having to cover the legal process, but uh, I've seen enough of that, of that courthouse already and nothing has happened yet. So so we'll be keeping an eye on that as it goes okay. along.
0: Well, back to the Breeders' Cup, and the Classic might be the most compelling race based on uh, Flight Lines' uh, presence in that race. But on the other card that this staff offers, probably the most intriguing matchup, based on the fact that Malathot, uh, Clarier, and Nest are in the field, that seems to be like a pretty good field.
1: Ah, uh, it's a good field, but just with those three, I mean, I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what happens when these three go. On. Now, right now, Malathot has kind of the upper hand um, between her and Clarier, who have a very good rivalry. Uh, But meanwhile, Nest is actually the 9-to-5 favorite, despite the fact that she's a 3-year-old and everybody else is older. Now, she did prove herself against older horses last time when she won the... The grade two Bell Dame at Belmont Park by a freaking nine and three-quarters. Um, I don't know who else she was really running against, and she went off at like one to 20 odds, so obviously everybody was expecting her to win, and she did it easily. Um, Saratoga fans, again, will know from having swept the coaching club American Oaks in the Alabama during the meet, um, she's established herself clearly as the 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 best three-year-old filly in the country. She, I mean, they ran her in the Belmont Stakes against males back in June, and she only finished three lengths behind Mo Donegal in second place. Um, So it makes sense, uh, you know, when the when the odds maker makes lines, they're not predicting who's going to win; they're predicting how the betting public is going to behave, and Nest is going to get a lot of money. But in the meantime, right behind her, uh, Malathot and Clary are the two clearly best older fillies and mares running the route of ground on the dirt, which in this case will be a mile and an eighth in the distaff. Um, their history recently, of course, includes Saratoga, where uh, Clarier beat Malathot by a length and a half in the V. Malathot had won the Alabama last year and beat Clarier and, and after this race, trainer, <coughs> excuse me, tr- uh, trainer Steve Ashmussen was glowing about how Clarier was a, just a bigger horse. When the, when the two of them were in the paddock last year, Clarier and Malathot, Malathot clearly had a, a, a physical size edge over Clarier and wound up you know, beating her up. This year, Clarier's bigger and it showed in the shoevee when she beat Malathot. Fast forward to the personal ensign on Travers Day, Malathot turns the tables and. Uh, wins that to kind of reestablish herself. She won by half length over Chad Brown's search results, who's also back in this r- race and is an interesting factor in the in the distaff. Um, but as it turned out, after the personal ensign, we found out that Clarier had smacked her mouth on the starting gate and her tongue was bleeding. and So that probably took a little starch out of her race. She has not raced since. I'm going to be taking a hard look at her because based on that Shoe V, That you know, she seems to be just as every bit as good as Malathot right now, but she might be overlooked a little bit just because she finished fifth, nine and a half lengths again with like a bloody tongue in the personal ensign. So, be interesting to see. the the odds on her but meanwhile these three and you know search was there's other good fillies in here. search result don't throw her out um just but to see you know it's interesting obviously Malthot and nest are both trained by todd pletcher and they i think literally are in joining we're in adjoining stalls during the saratoga meet um i believe that was the case but you know nest is a beast and but you throw these other two in there and search results and Uh, it's really gonna see that's, that's going to be a way better betting race than the, than the classic. It's also going to be really fun to, to watch just to see, you know, his nest, uh, you know, grown up enough to take on the older horses, which she already did in Beldame, uh, or are these other two gonna you know get the upper hand? We're very, very interested to see what happens in this race.
0: And of course, we're circle back to Flightline uh, for the classic, but um, he's going to have to be some pretty good horses in this one, including Life is Good.
1: Yeah, um, you know, for a while there at the beginning of the Saratoga meet, you know, kind of the theme was the, the, the two-headed monsters of the older male di- divisions going longer on the dirt um, was like a real East Coast, West Coast thing between uh, Flightline on the West Coast and... Uh, life is good on the East Coast. Um, Since then, there there's been a huge separation between the two, and not because Life is Good has done anything wrong. It's clearly it, it it's simply a reflection of Flightline just throwing up these Paul Bunyan esque secretariat esque performances in his races. He doesn't race a lot, but when he does, he blows everybody's socks off, and. Uh, to to illustrate that this horse has only won five times in his whole career, uh, three times last year and only twice this year. Um, but he's won those five races by a combined sixty-two plus uh, lengths, which uh, you know by my math is over twelve lengths per per victory. So every time he runs, there's a good chance he's going to win by twelve lengths, no matter who he's running against. Now his the shortest margin in, on his uh, resume here is. And it was the, the, the one time that I actually got to see him live was they shipped him out to New York to run in the met mile on Belmont stakes day. And he won by six lengths. So I don't know what was wrong with him that day that he only won by six, but it was, it was an amazing performance. And you're, you felt privileged to be able to see this horse was going to be looked back on decades from now as absolute superstar. Um, and his most recent start was in the Pacific classic, uh, He won that by 19 and a quarter lengths, which is like, um, you know, that's a couple city blocks right there. Uh, The horse, every time he runs, shows up and just blows everybody away. He's a perfect combination of speed and stamina. He's a good head. He does everything right, kind of telling the fact that three to five, he's the shortest price on the morning line of any Breeders' Cup race on the weekend, and it's coming in a $6 million race where there's a lot of good horses trying to beat him, including Life is Good. Saratoga, again, um, you know, Life is Good ran great in the Whitney, winning by two lengths over stablemate Happy Saver. Since then, he won the Woodward at at Belmont. So, um, I mean, really, the only thing he's done wrong in the last, um, let's see, year is he finished fourth in the Dubai World Cup, and everybody was complaining about how the track was really demanding that day, including Pletcher. And, you know, maybe chalk life is good as uh, loss there to the track. But since then, he's been dynamite. So it's going to be really cool to see the matchup between these two. Um, I will quickly mention who else is in there. I'll just read the field. Taba trained by Bob Baffert. Life is good. Happy saver. Flight line. Hot Rod Charlie shows up every time. Epicenter. I can't, I can't believe we got this far. I haven't mentioned him yet. Clearly the three-year-old male division winner. Maybe I did mention him from Travers. He won the Travers by five and a quarter lengths. Takes on older horses for the first time. I like him a lot. Uh, Olympiad, who won the Jockey Club Gold Cup um, at Belmont. And then Rich Strike, the Belmont Stakes winner, is coming out of the eight hole. Who uh, has lost three straight, finished off the board in two of them, including a fourth in the Travers. But he came off a really good second by a head to hot rod, Charlie in the Lucas classic at Churchill downs on October 1st. So he's in there. Um, but we'll sit back and see what flight line does. I think right now what people are hoping for, if they want to see a real good tight finish and, and a real horse race at the end is if life is good, who will be running right out of the starting gate and trying to get early position, um, maybe takes a little starch out of flight line and could set it up for somebody else. um, Good luck with that. <laughs> uh, if you think Flightline is that good, and I'll be shocked if he gets beat.
0: Would they ever consider having the Breeders' Cup at Saratoga?
1: No, um, and it's not necessarily the facility itself. I think, um, you know, back in the day when they first started the Breeders' Cup in 1984, one of their missions was and goals was to. Rotated around to to turn it into a, an event that like really generated interest in the sport all over the country, like all different corners of the country. So they had it at Monmouth Park one year. They had it at Lone Star down in in uh, Texas one year. They've had it in you know Gulfstream Park in Florida. The Churchill obviously is in the regular rotation. Santa Anita is in, is probably gets it more than anybody else. And eventually they whittled it down to only like three or four because for one thing, like the Super Bowl back in the day, they didn't want their biggest event of the calendar year to be run in crappy weather, which if you're trying to run the first weekend, granted it's gorgeous in Saratoga right now, or it has been, um, you don't want to run the risk that you get bad conditions, not only for the races, but for the fans. Um, So that's part of it. Uh, A big part of Breeders' Cup is you got to have like the hotel uh, capacity to accommodate, you know, however many people come in for the thing, which I, I don't know if that's necessarily a big problem in Saratoga, but um you know, there, there's the issue of they like to televise it during prime time, so, you know, that's not a problem at uh, Santa Anita, which is three hours earlier, you know, later than us. Uh, Churchill Downs has lights. Keeneland obviously doesn't have lights because the post time for the classic is five forty. But now we're, I think I think the question is, will we ever see it at Belmont Park again? Mm-hmm. And again, the weather thing comes into play, but also, um, you know, Belmont Park is undergoing a huge facelift and a lot of re- renovation and stuff. Uh, or potentially, and so it'll be a while before it comes to, back to Belmont. But the New York Racing Association, one of their reasons, one of the things they want to get out of all this renovation and the work they're doing at Belmont, is to bring the Breeders' Cup back there uh, eventually. Which I think the last time it was there might have been um, uh, the month after, a couple, two months after nine eleven. Wow, um, and that was back when sports were i think everybody remembers the mike piazza home run for the mets and was the first baseball game or in new york since 9 11 and the breeders cup was actually at belmont park that year and tom durkin had the great call on the one race where there were a bunch of euros and the American horse—I can't remember the, who, which race it was, or who won. I think it might have been the classic or the turf or something. He said, it "Wins it for America!" As the horse came across the finish line. But that's how long it's been since it's been at Belmont. And again, they've really consolidated the the pool of tracks that they use for the Breeders' Cup for a lot of reasons, and weather is a big one of them. So now you're never going to answer your question, I, and I don't think Saratoga wants it. I don't. I don't think. Naira wants it at Saratoga. If Naira gets the Breeders' Cup again, they're going to put it at Belmont yeah. Park, for sure.
0: Well, Mike, we look forward to your coverage this week. And, of course, we have that special section on Friday with all the uh, uh, races, the picks, and all that fun stuff. Uh,
1: yep. have, have fun down there in Lexington. I will. I'm, I'm. We're. Tim Wilkin and I are on a pit stop in Rochester overnight tonight. He's at his sister's. I'm at, my mom's. We're jumping at the car in the car at nine o'clock. Um, by the time this is on, we'll probably be in Lexington. But the plan is to pick up our friend Gene Kirstner who's picking for pick for the Gazette during. Uh, during the saratoga season and we'll pick again off um, you know this weekend's races he works with he, you know for the buffalo news three of us are piling in or driving down to lexington from buffalo um so uh, uh hopefully we got some good stories to tell and and um, and and go hit some home runs everybody there's going to be some very good betting prospects on this these two cards
0: well safe travels down there and uh we'll look forward to your coverage and uh, thanks again for coming on mike Thank you, Ken. That's Mike McAdam coming up. Another Gazette colleague comes on. It's Adam Schindler. We'll talk high school football playoffs. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast.
1: Oh, so, how are the kids? Well, Emily made the honor roll. Oh, good for her. Yeah, we're really proud of her. Tyler, on the other hand, though. What's going on? He's been moody lately, just feeling down and not like himself. Oh, we've been there. Nick was struggling last spring. He was so anxious and stressed. Really? What helped? Well, he joined the soccer team. And ever since, he's been a lot happier. He has more energy. He's less stressed and he's
2: definitely in a better mood at home. It's made a huge difference. That's
1: awesome. Yeah, I'm glad he's getting out of the house, he's getting some exercise, and he's off his phone for once. It's been good for his mental health. Sounds like it's been good for your mental health, too. Participating in New York high school sports improves students' physical and mental health. Encourage your son or daughter to get involved. This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
0: Hi, this is Daily Gazette sports reporter Will Springstead. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast and it's Final Four time in high school football in Section Two. The playoffs and semifinals get underway Friday night and then uh, Adam Schindler's back to talk high school football with us. And Adam, nine of the ten semifinal games are rematches from the regular season The Class A matchup: both of the lower-seeded teams already beat their higher-seeded teams, and two of the uh, matchups are rematches from last year's playoffs. So, exciting times in Section Two. Yeah, looks
2: like we made it. We are finally into the postseason for everyone, and uh, the the nine out of ten rematches is largely to be expected. at least in three of the four classes, in, in Class AA, Class B, and Class D. Everyone plays everyone during the regular season. There's no divisions. Uh, that we got two rematches in Class A is is pretty interesting, and certainly very interesting that both road teams have already beaten both home teams yeah. this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk to, start with Class AA first, and the rematch of the 2021 semifinal between Shaker and Shen. Shen hosting that as the number two seed. Yeah, these have uh, the
2: last two times these teams met have both been classics, and... Uh, they were also a bit rarities in the in the rivalry until that semifinal game last year. Uh, Shen coach Brian Clawson had not beaten Shaker uh, since he became the head coach in 2012. They've now got a two game win streak. That was an overtime win for the Plansmen earlier this year. Uh, Shaker had a really, really difficult schedule at the start of this season. Uh, in the first handful of weeks, they had to play uh, CBA of Syracuse, who's as good a double A team as there is in the state. They had to play CBA Albany, and they had to play Shenandoah. And they lost all of those games. They started out two and three. They have just dominated the back half of the season once their schedule uh, softened up a bit.
0: Do you think they're they have the momentum going into this?
2: They've got they've got momentum, but Shenandoah mm. also has momentum. Mm-hmm. They've played really really well since they lost to CBA uh, back in early October. This is coin flip guess a coin flip game, gets.
0: Well, I ask you for your prediction in a moment, but let's look at the other game. Number 1 CBA Hosting Saratoga Springs. You
2: talk about teams that have not played a lot of coin flip games, and outside of their game against Shaker, uh, that came down to a two-point conversion in overtime. CBA has run through pretty much everyone. Even uh, Shenandoah, that was a two-touchdown game that was pretty well in hand for most of it. Uh, Saratoga had a really tough stretch in October. They had to face Shenandoah, CBA, and Saratoga Springs three straight weeks. Not a fun gauntlet for anyone. Uh, but they really rebounded last week beat colony to make sure they're in the playoffs uh, also shurgon gildon lost to shen Good story uh, for for Coach Terry Jones to get that Saratoga team back to the playoffs uh, and give us something after uh, two straight years where the playoffs have been the exact same four teams. Yeah.
0: Well, what are your picks in this one?
2: All right. Well, Let's start with the 1-4 game because this one's really easy. CBA has been the best team in the section, uh, regardless of classification, all year. And I I can't see the brothers uh, losing this game on their home field. The other one's a coin flip. Uh, I have not seen Shaker in person this year. I have seen Shenandoah. I'm going to go with the Plainsman with home field advantage, but would not surprise me either way.
0: Okay. Now over in Class A, we mentioned um, the lower seeded teams and Capitals seed number two, LaSalle, going to uh, Grasso, with number one seed Nisquita. Uh LaSalle won that game because they played at uh, Schenectady uh, High, High School, School, which I believe is yeah. where that
2: game will be played again Friday night. Right. Mm-hmm. We
0: talk about that rematch.
2: Yeah, I was there for that first game, and uh, that was week Week 2, Game 3, uh, in the very odd yeah. Week 0 era that we're <laughs> in right now. And I will be completely honest, LaSalle did not look like they belonged, or Unit did not look like they belonged in the same field as LaSalle. Oh. Uh, this was a very young Unit team introducing a lot of players at new spots early in the season. Really, really struggled. It was a 25-7 game uh, that didn't have... Niskayuna uh, barely got first down until the second half LaSalle was a team that didn't look fantastic offensively, Has some nice pieces though uh, very good running back in Matt Bod a developing quarterback in Adam Myers good defense, obviously a well-coached team under former uh, Union coach John Audino kind of an uneven back half of the season. They're coming in off a really, really tough loss. They got whipped by Amsterdam 41-14 last week uh, and then still end up making the playoffs thanks to uh, everyone's favorite thing, quarter points. <laughs> Meanwhile, niski since that LaSalle game, has looked fantastic. Uh, they pulled out big wins uh, against, Ball- against Boston Spa earlier in the season than last week. A nine six win over Burn Hills. Not a lot of teams can say they've gone to Burn Hills and beat Burn Hills, and they did it on three field goals uh, from their kicker Cooper Harvey, including a thirty-seven a yarder at the buzzer. So really kudos to, to Brian Grassdorf, who's done an unbelievable job building that program back after they also just missed the playoffs last year.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned Burn Hills, they're the grass seed number two. They go to um Capitol seed number one, Avell Park, and another rematch uh uh, from the regular season.
2: Yeah, this one yeah. was uh, right at the start of Burnhill's hot streak uh, that ended last week against Niskiuna. 21 0 Burnhill's uh, t- uh, win. And it's a Burnhill's team that's got a They've got a pretty good offense, a, a good running game. Luke Zoller is a very, very good running back. They have a terrific defense. Uh, they shut down Amsterdam, who had maybe the most explosive offense in the area. Uh, I mean, a nine-six loss is their only, is their only uh, Class A loss. They were the only team that really came close to bottling up CBA's offense uh, this year back in Week One. And the Spartans are experienced. You know, Matt Shell's been in this spot seemingly for 20 straight years uh, at this point. It's an April Park team that's played well. Uh, I mean, they've come They come in at five. And they've come in uh they've lost three games uh, during this regular season, but those are losses are to Burnhills, to Boston Spa, uh, and to Gildaland. It's a team that uh, is kind of an interesting uh, case. They've been uneven, but when they're good, they're really, really good.
0: So, uh, who are you picking these games?
2: Uh, I think we're going to get a rematch of last week. Uh, just looking at it, it seemed like the Grasso division is a little bit deeper Uh, This year So I think Niskiuna, Which is playing Really motivated football Will get revenge In that game And it's hard to pick Against Burnhills In a semifinal They so rarely Lose these games Yeah those
0: games Are Friday night As are the class Double A games Let's go to class B Uh, Game on Saturday Number 1 Glens Falls Taking on number 4 Lansingburg
2: Yeah this game uh, These two teams Played right at the Beginning of the season Glens Falls Really took care of business Which is pretty much What you can say About everything Glens Falls has done uh, this season, is the only team that's come really remotely close to giving them a game for four quarters. Uh, deep team, uh, you know, having... they This is going to be a motivated Glens Falls team. This is the spot they lost last year uh, to Ravina, having beaten Ravina badly the week before. Uh, they have Coach Pat Lilac back this year after he took a year off uh, to kind of watch his son who was playing at South Glens Falls. Good story for Lansingburg. They pulled out some close wins against uh, Scotia Glenville and Chalmont, got themselves to the playoffs... Got a couple of really, really good ball carriers. Uh, Logan Hart's one of the better players in the section. Uh, but this Glens Falls team looks really, really good, and that's always a fun atmosphere out at, uh, at Glens Falls. One of the few places that has turf but no lights.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, of the other game, which will take place Friday night, a rematch of the twenty twenty one Class B Super Bowl, number three Gloversville at number two Ravina coyman Selker.
2: Yeah, fourth game between these teams in the last two years. Ravina's won the first three, and none of them have been particularly close. Uh, Ravina won this game forty eight nothing a couple of weeks ago. Uh, to give them the right to host this game, these two teams basically, since they both lost to Glens Falls, have been kind of dancing around each other and waiting for this game to come uh, to come through. Ravina's got some very, very good players. Aiden Locker, their running back, Frankie Broadhurst is a is a very good player. Glens has got a ter- got a really interesting team, a big physical team. They got a very good quarterback and uh, Calen Porter, Kyle Robert, Their running back's been very good. Uh, but Ravina, the defending champs, have looked really, really good. They're two losses this season. They lost to Glens Falls in a close game. They went out of section and lost to, to O'Neill out of section nine.
0: So who are you picking? Uh,
2: I think we get a 1-2 game. I think we get. Uh, I think we end up with Glens Falls and Ravina in a rematch from very early in the season. I think that's a really, really strong Super Bowl.
0: All right, let's go to Class C now in uh, North Sea, number three, Stillwater. Heads to North Sea, number one, Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren.
2: Yeah, Stillwater uh, is a team that's playing really, really good football over the back half of the season. Had a tough uh, early part to the season. They ran into Hoosie uh, Falls, Tamarack, and Warrensburg, uh, Lake George, North Warren early on. Kind of lost lopsided games both those times. Last week, they went to Broad Broadalbin, Perth, uh, in a game that uh, I don't really know can be termed an upset because I think, uh, really, when you look at it, the North Division was deeper than the South Division. Uh, lost their quarterback Colby Paffin, to an injury early on. They basically ran the Wildcat uh, with Jackson Mueller, son of U uh, Albany baseball coach and all around Stillwater legend John Mueller. Mm-hmm. Ran for 180 yards. Really good skill players. Really good line uh, anchored by two uh, two sons of uh, former NFL player Joe Kuzo. Stillwater's looked really good, but nobody in the section this year has looked better than Warrensburg, Lake George, North Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, 68 to nothing win over Cobleskill wow. last week. Yeah. Those scores have been common for this team. Really, really good uh, running backs in Landon Olden, Brody McCabe, Tristan Hitchcock. Their big six foot three, two hundred and forty pound, you know, fullback linebacker. He's a state wrestling champ. Big, big monster. They have absolutely really rolled over anyone. The Skylerville game is the only one that's been remotely close for them.
0: Yeah. Speaking of Skylerville, they're the North Seed number two. They go to South Seed number one, Fonda Fultonville. The only first time matchup this season, however. They met in the uh, Super Bowl last year.
2: Yeah, this was the Super Bowl game last year. A good game. Uh, Fonda gave Skylerville a game that Skylerville just kind of put away late. Uh, Skylerville looked really, really untouchable up until the uh, Warrensburg game, which is when their quarterback, uh, top runner Lucas Sherman, got hurt. Don't believe he's been back yet, but not quite sure on his availability, which will make a big difference in this game. Fonda Fultonville, on the other hand, they've done pretty much exactly what Warrensburg's done. They played a one-point game. Uh, against Central Valley Academy, who's a Class B team out in Section 3 in Week 1. And since then, they've won every game by at least four touchdowns. They've looked fantastic. It's a motivated team that has a lot of kids back. I spoke to them last week. They badly, badly want to get back to the Super Bowl, and they badly want to beat Skylerville. Now,
0: these games will be Friday night. Who are you going with?
2: Uh, I think we're going to get a one versus one. I think uh, Warrensburg-Lake George-North Warren is probably the the clearest favorite uh, this week in terms of they beat Stillwater by 36 points uh, when they met. Skyler-Bofon-Fultonville is an absolute coin flip. Uh, not knowing Lucas Sherman's Total status is a little bit of an issue, but fauna Fultonville with, uh, with Jackson Cusack, uh, their quarterback, Jonathan Cranker, and Owen Hicks, two terrific uh, defenders and receiver running backs for that team. That's a motivated team, and I think we get a matchup against what's going to be two of the top three or four teams, uh, class C teams in the state.
0: Now let's wrap it up Class. with Class D. Uh, both games we played at Mechanicville, the Friday night matchup, Number four Canajoharie Fort Plain goes against number one Cambridge Salem.
2: Yeah, uh, Canajoharie Fort Plain is another good story a team that uh, has had some struggles for a few years. Came out really, really well. You know, they lost to the three three other playoff teams, but uh, have played really well over the last half of this season. Uh, Cambridge Salem has been an absolute juggernaut. They're kind of back to what they you know you expect out of a traditional Cambridge program. The only team to score double digits against Cambridge Salem. Uh, all year is Canada Harry for playing. Now we'll also say that, that game was forty-seven to twelve, yeah. <laughs> so not particularly close. Uh, deep Cambridge Salem team uh, that is uh, exactly what you'd expect out of a
0: Doug Lute coach team. And the Saturday game will be number two, Chatham against number three Greenwich. Yeah, Greenwich is
2: the defending champion, so uh, you know it's a program that always really, really plays well in the postseason. Chatham, uh, the only team that that uh, gave them trouble all year was Cambridge Salem. This was not a particularly close game. During the regular season either. Uh, it's a team that's played very, very well since that early loss to Cambridge-Salem. Absolutely earned that seed. And it's always fun. Uh, the Class D, they traditionally play these at neutral site. Usually they're played one day. Usually they're a Saturday doubleheader. I actually like the fact that they're playing one on Friday one on Saturday. Let both teams get under the lights. Some long trips uh, for some of these yeah. folks.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so who are you picking?
2: Uh, again, I think this is a top two seed meeting. These team games are both pretty decisive during the regular season. Uh, Cambridge-Salem
0: and Chatham. Well, when we talk next week, we'll see uh, how you did and we'll be previewing the uh, Super Bowls. Yep, just one more week of, of Section 2 football <laughs> yep.
2: to go and then we see who goes on to the state tournament. All
0: right, Adam, thanks. And uh, high hopes for the Phillies. High hopes. So. <laughs> That's Adam Shinja. I'll be back to wrap up the podcast and have the latest winners in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football and Auto Racing Contest. You're listening the Parting Shots Podcast
2: What does the fiftieth anniversary of Title Nine mean? It means I'm valued, I'm empowered, I can do anything. It means I'll pave the way for every girl who plays high school sports in the future. Just like every female student, coach, official, and administrator blazed the trail for me. Because every student deserves the opportunity to play. Encourage girls you know to participate in New York high school sports.
1: This message presented by NISFA and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Daily Gazette reporter Shenandoah Breer. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken
0: Shot. Back to wrap up the podcast. The Week 8 winner in the Daily Gazette's U-Pick'em football contest was Gary Lorenz of Schenectady. Gary wins a $100 Hannaford gift card. Congratulations, Gary. The VIP winner was my Gazette colleague Adam Schinder, who went 11-4 to improve to 70-52-1. and 1. I was 10-5, and I'm still leading the VIPs with a 75-47-1 record. I'll announce the winner of the U Pick'em Football Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the U Pick'em Football banner. The Week 35 winner in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest was Chris Grzbowski of Scotia with 50 points. Chris wins a $50 sharp right gift card. Congratulations, Chris. The VIP winner was Dwayne Leach of All Season's Equipment with 40 points. I'll announce the winner of the Auto Racing Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Friday's Daily Gazette. To play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click on the Auto Racing Contest banner. It's the final week of the NASCAR season on Sunday, so better play now or it's too late. Keep checking out dailygazette.com in the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on how COVID-19 is affecting us in the Capital Region. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this situation. We appreciate the job you're doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I want to thank Mike McAdam and Adam Schinder for coming on the show. I'll have another college hockey podcast Thursday as the Union men's hockey team heads to Clarkson and St. Lawrence this weekend. It also marks the return of Union head coach Josh Halgie to Clarkson where he was an assistant coach for the Golden Knights for seven seasons. I'll also have interviews with the Union women's team as it finally gets to play a home game after starting this season with eight road games. I hope you will listen. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot.com that's S-C-H-O-T-T at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of the Daily Gazette company. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of the Daily Gazette company. I'm Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Shot. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports.